weeks ago, the, the battle has moved more to the eastern part of Ukraine right now, and what's happening in the war in Ukraine and the brute determination of the Ukrainian people reminds me of a, a little bit of the story of the war between Finland and Russia back in 1940. Uh, Russia has been acting like this for a, a long time. But let me give you some background to this story. For 20 years, Jane and I served in the city of Thunder Bay, a, a city that has the largest Finnish-speaking population outside of Finland in the world. Almost 15% of the city is Finnish, and the Finns in Thunder Bay uh, give a unique uh, flavor to the city, kind of like all you Newfoundlanders do here in Fort McMurray. The flavors are awesome but different. And, and here's a story uh, of Finland that maybe. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's this story of Finland that I think helps explain a little bit of what's happening in the Ukraine and why, the, why Ukraine is not capitulated and, and just might not, and uh, there's a parallel. Back at the start of the uh, Second World War, Finland was invaded by Russia, called the Soviet Union at the time. The Russian army was three times larger, had 30 times as many airplanes and 100 times as many tanks. I mean, that's called being outnumbered. But even though the military resources of Finland were so incredibly outnumbered by the Russians, Finland emerged from the war victorious. They won. And Finland remains an independent nation today. Troops and tanks are not what won that war. There was something else going on. There was this difficult to define intangible thing going on. The, the Finnish people possessed something that they call Sisu. You can find Sisu defined in Wikipedia, but let me first go back to an article written in the New York Times in 1940. It was written right in the middle of what we call the Winter War between Russia and Finland. The Finns have something they call Sisu. It's a compound of bravado and bravery, of ferocity and tenacity, of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit, and to fight with the will to win. The Finns translate Sisu as the Finnish spirit, but it is a much more gutful word than that. Wikipedia says Sisu is a Finnish concept described as stoic determination, tenacity of purpose, grit, bravery, and hardiness. Linguists tell us that there is no equivalent word in English. Now, I'm Irish in my ethnic background, and, and we're known as a stubborn, stubborn, fiery people, and many of us are, I tend to be. Finns are a stubborn, stoic people, and many of my Finnish friends have no problem being described that way. You'll, you'll even get a little bit of a smile from them when you say that, a little bit of nod that just says, you bet I am. Friends, there are times in life when, when, when things seem to be going the wrong way, when all seems lost, when what you need is just a little bit of sisu. And what I mean by Sisu is, is well illustrated by the story the Apostle Luke tells about a persistent widow who was not Finnish, who was not Ukrainian, but she was Jewish, but man, she had Sisu. Luke writes, When Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, and can I just use that as encouragement again? Go to Fort City Info, connect with our prayer that's going on all week, pray and not give up. Anyways, in this parable Jesus tells about prayer, this woman has a lot of sisu. Let's continue to read. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. 
But finally, he he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I love it. This woman has so much sees you that she, she will not take no for an answer. Against all odds, she persists. She is fighting for justice of some sort. And the judge concludes that this woman is not going to give up. She's going to keep on the offensive, on the attack. And then Jesus, looking at this situation, tells us that, that we should pray persistently, just like how that woman kept at that judge. We should pray. We should seek God's blessing with Sisu. Listen to how Jesus responds to this parable. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this faith that Jesus is looking for looks a lot like Sisu. This persistent woman has faith. She has Sisu. She has what we can call a sanctified stubborn streak. Yes. People like that keep going. They keep persisting because they are believing God for something bigger. They're believing God for something better. Now, on this Palm Sunday, we're, we're wrapping up a three-week series called The Blessing, How to Get It, How to Give It, using Mark Batterson's book, Double Blessing. And today, I want to link the idea of blessing with Sisu. That like Ukrainian soldiers today and and those Finnish soldiers of 1940, like that Jewish widow, you and me are not to simply, we're just not to accept a dark, broken world as is. We simply do not accept pain and calamity in our lives as is. Rather, we we pick ourselves up off the ground and and we fight for what we believe, seeking for God's blessing. If you were here last week or watching online, you might remember how I described blessing. Let me expand on that a little bit. The blessing of God is not good luck. It can involve really hard work. Sometimes it takes sisu. The blessing of God is not a magic formula. It is a long obedience in the same direction to quote a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. Again, Sisu could be involved. Today, we enter Holy Week. You've heard about our call to prayer for the week and how you can make this a week of prayer. Sisu prayer, I might add, and prayer for the Bandurkos for sure. And we will celebrate the death of Jesus on Friday with other churches in our city at Family Christian Center. And we'll come together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. One of the things that Good Friday and Easter Sunday are all about is that we cannot earn our salvation. That Jesus earned the gift of salvation for us by his death on the cross. It's not what we do, it's what he did. And we need to understand that this free gift of salvation includes all the blessings that God wants to shower on his people. Remember, from our first message in this series, before there was original sin, there was original blessing. The first thing God did after he made mankind was he blessed us. And even though we were incredibly blessed and lived in perfect surroundings, we still chose to disobey God, do our own thing, and consequently sin entered the world. Good Friday and Easter Sunday are all about the fact that God made a way to deal with this original sin. And for all who would ask, to remove our sin that makes such a mess of our daily lives. 
And God not only dealt with our sin through his death and resurrection, he made all of these blessings that we so yearn for possible. The Apostle Paul, he, he, put, it, he, put, it this way. he put it this way. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in our union with Christ, he blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. We cannot earn the blessing of God just as we cannot earn the gift of salvation. The blessing of God is part and parcel of the gift of salvation. But friends, we can position ourselves to receive the blessings of God that he so yearns to pour out on us. What do I mean that we can position ourselves for the for God's blessing. Well, part of what happens is when you are on the receiving end of God's grace, like when you choose to follow Jesus, when you are on the receiving end of God's blessings, when you receive an answer to prayer, you, you want to give back to God. In fact, really, we want to give back everything we've got. Well, when you understand what Jesus did on the cross for you, you, you want to live a life that is totally sold out to God. You want to give those blessings away. You want to bless and love your family, your friends, your co-workers. You want to team up with your church and get involved with your church to bring God's blessing to others. You want to give sacrificially to your church and to causes that are close to God's heart because God takes your gifts and multiplies them to bless our city and world. When God blesses you, you want to bless and honor God with your life, and you want to do that by blessing others. And as you flip the blessing, as we talked about last week, just well, God just pours out more blessing on you. And the idea of flipping the blessing as a, a way to position yourself for God's blessing, this is something that Jesus himself taught. He said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a basic principle here about flipping the blessing. The amount you give, the measure you use to bless others is the measure God uses to bless back. I can't tell you what that exactly looks like because God blesses us all in different ways. God has blessings that are uniquely for you and uniquely for me. Again, you cannot earn God's blessing, but but you can position yourself to receive God's blessing. And flipping the blessing like we talked about last week is one way to position yourself to receive God's blessing. Living full out for God, living and loving like Jesus is a way to position yourself for God's blessing. But this may surprise you, that our God also encourages us to use a little sisu when seeking him for his blessing. That we would be like that persistent Jewish widow Let's look at what I think is an incredibly interesting story in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where we see a little sisu as Old Testament Jacob asks God for a blessing. It's a great story, and it's meant to push you and me to expect much from God. If you're raised in church, chances are you know this story well, but if not, this is a great story to hear. I want us to look at how Old Testament patriarch Jacob sought God for blessing. But first, let me give you a little bit of background. Jacob is on his way to get reconciled with his twin brother Esau, from whom he had stolen both his birthright and his blessing. This is a really messy family situation. Read it, you'll see. You think your family's messy. This is a messy family. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Okay, after sending his family and his possessions across the Jabbok River, Jacob has a profound, life-altering experience with God. 
Let me read you the account from Genesis 32. If you're following the Bible or on your phone, it starts at verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And, and, and this is after the hip has been wrenched, you know, and he's still hanging on. Then the, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed through Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Was Jacob wrestling with a man, an angel, or a God here? Jacob knew. He knew that he was wrestling with God, and that he only overcame God because God allowed it to happen. Jacob knew that this man who was God could have chosen to wipe him out at any moment. Jacob's got a bit of sisu right here, especially as he continued to hang on after his hip got wrenched. Also, for you theologians out there, we, we call this man a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. This is Jesus wrestling with Jacob. Maybe a, a little more background to the story would help. Well, when Jacob was born, um, there in the womb, he was hanging on to the ankle of his older twin brother Esau. And so his parents named him Jacob, which is Hebrew for one who grabs heels. But in Hebrew, Jacob also has a double meaning. It also means one who deceives. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when it came to naming my kids names like liar, cheater, deceiver, they weren't on the list. But in Old Testament Jewish culture, naming a child is a prophetic exercise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Parents would, would get a sense of the child's destiny and then name the child accordingly. Usually that would be a name, you know, to live up to. But in this case, the name Jacob was a name to live down to. And Jacob became a deceiver. He stole a birthright and, and the blessing from, from Esau. Now, if there are any Jacobs here, I'm thinking your parents didn't understand the full meaning of the name. They hadn't Googled its meaning yet. They picked it because it was a nice Old Testament name. Okay, maybe they might have had a better reason than that. They, it's because of what happened later in, in Jacob's life. The name Jacob does get redeemed. Jacob becomes one of the most important fathers or patriarchs in the history of Israel. Hey, Jacob is now the 15th most popular name in, in the U.S. and Canada. And one of the reasons why your parents might have named you Jacob is because they were praying that you would be full of Sisu, that, that you would fight for God's blessing like Jacob did and prevail and, and be blessed and do mighty things for God. Think about this. Jacob knew who he was in this cage fight with, but still he refused to give up. His hip gets wrenched and, and he still hangs in there. I mean, I would have thrown in the towel as soon as I realized who it was I was fighting. And I would have cried uncle long before I got that God-given hip injury, let alone hang on afterwards. Why did Jacob refuse to let go of God even when it hurt? Why did he keep fighting? Why did he refuse to get out of the ring? There is only one reason. Jacob valued God's blessing above everything else. 
He wasn't just willing to fight for it. He was, he was willing to die for it. He didn't want to live without God's blessing. Friends, this is a crazy story. But God blesses Jacob for his faith, for, for his persistence, for his tenacity, for his sisu. God is, and God's good with all this. In fact, he, he's not only good with this, heck, he, he loves this drive, this, this fight that's in Jacob, loves it and blesses it. Okay, let me say again. You cannot earn God's blessing. God's blessing is a gift. But are you willing to risk life and limb for it? Are you willing to pull an all-nighter and wrestle with God for it? Are you willing to go to the mat and back up for it? Hey, read the story of Jacob. He has all sorts of faults. But one thing he got right is this. He understood the ultimate value of being blessed by God. We don't have much of a Jewish community here in Fort McMurray, but as a kid and young adult growing up in Toronto, I had a number of Jewish friends, and one of the things I learned from them that you see in the Old Testament is the high value Jewish people place on being blessed by God. I think, uh, in fact, that for a lot of Jewish people, they value the blessing of God more than they value personal success. And somehow, in valuing the blessing of God, they often achieve personal success. You know, it's often in those hardest fought battles where we learn the greatest lessons, the, the kind of lessons, you know, that we'll never forget. This battle that Jacob has with God where he refuses to let go of God and, uh, until God blesses him, this is the turning point in his life. His whole life turn, changes direction at this point. Hey, God even gives him a new name. Jacob becomes Israel and, and the rest is history. So Jacob, now Israel, uh, from then, this time on, he, he leads and he just goes through life with a limp, reminding him of this defining moment in his life. And he got a whole country named after him, right? How awesome is that? And that country still exists today, and somehow it's a part of what God is still up to today. What if Jacob had never wrestled with God until he was blessed? Again, it's all about positioning yourself for blessing. Are you willing to position yourself to receive God's blessing? But let me just throw in a word of warning. Because you can also position yourself to lose the blessing of God. There are many ways that we can lose the blessing of God. Let me give you just a, a few sad examples of losing God's blessing from the Bible. For Samson, it was selling his secret about his hair for a, all for a one-night stand. For Judas, on, on what we call Holy Thursday this week, it's 30 pieces of silver. And then there's Esau, who sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. If you don't know these stories, message me, and I'll let you know where you can find them. They're great short reads. I encourage you to do that. But you know, Christians, we can be ever so self-righteous and holier than thou when, it, when we look at the stories of Samson, Judas, and Esau. We, we can point our finger of condemnation at Samson for his lack of self-control. <clears throat> but hey, you've got to ask yourself the question, where do you sometimes lack self-control? Every Easter, Christians tell the story of Judas and just condemn him for selling out Jesus. But yeah, what is your price point? I mean, how much money would it take you to bend or compromise? We think it's absolutely ridiculous that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew, but what's your weakness? What's your Achilles heel? Yeah, we're talking about sin, right? 
So often sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Friends, sin is not worth the price we pay. We know that, but we still do it. And that's why we need Jesus not just to forgive us, but to give us the power to overcome sin and and then to position us to receive God's blessing. Because the conscious practice of sin, what we know without question is sin, when we consciously do it, it just possessions us to lose God's blessing. So, what happens if we don't become like Jacob and value God's blessing above everything else? What happens? We sell our souls for a cheap substitute. For Samson, it was sex. For Judas, it was money. For Esau, it was food. Kind of sounds familiar, right? Sex, money, food, or drugs. So to position ourselves to receive God's blessing, to put ourselves where we can actually wrestle with God for his blessing, we just have to be willing to do God's will, like God's way. We must take the ways of God in the Bible seriously. This is not earning God's blessing. It's just positioning yourself for God's blessing. It means being willing to flip the blessing to others, to everyone God puts on your path. It means being a generous giver of the blessings that God has given you, your time, your energy, your talents, and yes, your finances. It means investing your life in the one cause that changes lives, not just now, but forever. It means being a radically committed follower of Jesus who is radically committed to a local church, getting involved with the work Jesus does through his church, and and just understanding that God doesn't simply bless us to raise our standard of living. He blesses us to raise our standard of giving. To position yourself for God's blessing is simply to surrender your life fully to the hands of our God who so desires to bless you. This is the life you all yearn for. Don't settle for a bowl of stew, okay? Hold out for God's best. Hold out for God's blessing. It's worth a little sisu. It's worth the wrestling match. It's worth the radical surrender of lies to Jesus and his mission to bless our world. So you, will you join me for a time of prayer and, and just take the words that I pray and maybe pray them in your own way and make this your own prayer of commitment to, to Jesus right now. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that it's always been in your heart to bless me. But I confess I've not always put myself in the position to receive your blessing. Oh God, I've allowed so many other things to get between myself and your blessing. As I look to Easter, celebrating your death and resurrection, I just ask for your forgiveness, the forgiveness of my sin. And I ask for the power of your spirit to enable me to not settle for that bowl of stew when you have so much more and better for me. Today, as we go into Holy Week, I surrender my life to you to do your will in your way. As you sacrificed your life for me, I commit to sacrificing my life for others. I commit to being a part of what you're doing through my church. I I commit to taking all the blessings that you give to me and flipping those blessings to others. Lord God, Lord God, I will hang on to you until you bless me. And I will continue to hang on to you so that I can be a channel of your blessing to others. I pray all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.